It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. Stashy into the middle. Here's Line A. Shoots. Scores. He's got two. And he's got the lead lead. All right. I need some honesty from my co-host here today. We deliver that daily. Yes, sir. Uh, so Sometimes. the, the uh, young man that has uh, 44 goals for the Winnipeg Jets, Patrick Liney. Uh A, when you saw his name, did you think it was Patrick Lane? Or did you know he was a Finlander? No. I had no idea. <laughs> I honestly, Patrick... Swear to God, I had never heard of him. <laughs> I will say I knew nothing about goals. him. Do nothing about him. Uh, what? Uh, what do you say? I was going to say I. I had only heard of him, but when I saw the name on here, I I wondered aloud. Man, I could go for some lining kugels right now. <laughs> well, uh, this kid is so good. He's not going to be twenty until next week. What? He's not going to be twenty until next he was week. That young. He's got uh, forty-four goals in eighty-two games. Did he lead the league? Uh, no, I think Ovechkin beat him. Ovechkin. Up. Okay. I think Ovechkin got forty-eight or something. Okay. Forty-four goals, but is uh, Patrick without the C? And he, he, it's Patrick because I had to go to a pronouncing guide mm-hmm. and. Line A, Line A is uh, how they told me how to pronounce it. Uh, Line A, Patrick, he's a big, strong, powerful looking uh, Finnish kid, six foot five and uh, 210. And he will have to be stopped tonight uh, and in this series. But he is. He's got that Finnish mug on him, too, man. (laughs) Square jawed young man. Number two overall pick uh, in the draft of two of uh, 2016. So the Jets made a very good pick there in this kid. And uh, he was, uh, as I said, April 19th is his birthday. Great player. He's uh, he's got 44 goals. He's got a pretty good future (laughs) up there. Uh, We're going to talk to Sarah McClellan later. She's up covering the series for the Star Tribune. Now, remember when our boy's uh, first draft choice was Miko Koivu, the Finnish kid? And he was taken rather high, too, I believe. And uh, I remember he had four goals. He was playing in the Finnish Pro League like when he was 16 or something, like Mm -hmm. this kid. Uh, but he, I think he had four goals in the in the league, and I thought, hey, you're drafting a guy with four goals. <laughs> this kid had 26 uh, in the, for the uh, 
Tapara Juniors in 2013-14. Does he have the so same if he's bubbly? 19 now. How old was he then? 13? Must have been. 14? Does he share the same bubbly personality as Miko? They all do. Okay. (laughs) Uh, You know, I don't, as I say about stereotypes, you shouldn't use them, except the reason they're stereotypes is they're true. (laughs) And uh, the the Finlanders are a different kind of, once in a while you find an uh, interesting one, but Backstrom, the goalie, he was the old uh, man. You could not get him out of his... Out of that, you know, he was wiggy. He was the wiggy of <laughs> hockey. You could not get him to say anything. So with Patrick Line, now I remember the kid in Toronto, Austin Matthews. You had an yeah. issue with the way his name Austin O-N, was spelled. Yeah, yeah. So is there any no, issue now? You're, you're a Patrick. No, because no, that Austin Matthews was from the United States of America. He's he from was Phoenix. from Phoenix. Yeah. <laughs> you, if you're a Euro, you can spell it any way you want. So there's no I issues with, with no with issues. no C being no in Patrick. No issues okay. with a Euro. Maybe that's the way they do it in Finland. Maybe we're the idiots. I just thought I'd ask you because you are a Patrick no, yourself. No, so. Yes, okay. I, I have no problem with it, especially since he pronounces it Patrick. But, uh, yeah. you know, if you're going to do that and you're a Irish kid from St. Paul... Then I want to put you in a headlock and right. give you take my knuckle and just kind of give you a get, noogie, noogie right on top of the head. All right, I got to get one more thing in here uh, before we uh, get to uh, Buster Olney and uh, Sarah McLennan today. Uh, the spring games have been canceled uh, by Michigan, Wisconsin, and Ohio State for Saturday because of. Inclement weather I will approaching. Get my wall page ready. Inclement weather approaching. Mm-hmm. Here we go. But the Minnesota Gophers are not going to foist a disappointment like that onto their fans. To grow, you must fail. Our spring game has been moved to Thursday. To grow, you must fail. It's going right. to start at six, and then you can find it at BT, the replay at BTN at eight o'clock Gosh, Thursday. The, the spring in a statement. Just to get the statement just right, Phil Flex said, the spring game is a reward for our players and fans, mm-hmm. so canceling it was not an option. Moving the game from Saturday to Thursday enables us to keep it outside at TCF Bank Stadium so fans can watch our team. It will also provide a safe environment. Why wouldn't it be a safe environment? Because of all the danger on the field. <laughs> no, but for everyone involved. and uh, Oh, oh, meaning that uh, I suppose because if of the came weather. Saturday, it would be in the snow. Sure. And, uh, you know what would have been a safer environment? Canceling it. <laughs> but uh, uh, they're not going to, by the way, no tailgating. Oh, no. How am I supposed to tail? How am I supposed to get ready for the spring game if I can't poor, tailgate? Poor Baboo. She's going to have to do her drinking someplace else that day. Our friend he Nadine. also, by the way, had this to say. I eat difficult conversations for breakfast. <laughs> well, this was a difficult conversation. That's right. That's what he does. Uh, he says, are we going to play in a blizzard? <laughs> are we going to give our fans, our fans, our Madden fans, who almost... Well, they didn't almost sell out a game last year, but they, you know, they had we came 40, close once, right? Didn't we come close? Yeah, our Madden fans. They insisted in this uncrowded sports market of ours that we have the spring game. How many people do you think will be there tomorrow? Uh, they will announce uh, nine thousand, and there'll be fifteen hundred. 
I was going to no. say, who's going to have more? Mm-hmm. The Gophers on Thursday or the announced crowd at Guaranteed Rate Field for the Whiteys and the Rays of 970. Now, why did they give you an accurate account? That was from your guy, the topper. Okay. Did he count them? He, somebody did. Mm-hmm. Somebody actually yeah, counted nobody people. Ever, nobody ever tells the truth. You know, and I'm so <laughs> glad you brought up the spring game because it's going to allow me to dust off this old gem. Positivity is going to change this culture, period. That's when right. you get inside the football walls, you're going to have positivity hit you right in the face. <laughs> yeah, well, oh, it's going to hit God, you. it's almost going to hit you. Do, are the concession stands going to be open tomorrow? Well, of That's course. Right. Can you get a beer? All right. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back. Mr. Olney is with us for our every other week conversation on baseball. Buster, there's got to be more logic in the commissioner's office than approving a schedule that has the Twins playing a 10-game homestand that ends <laughs> on April 15th. It makes no sense because this happens two years out of five, and today the Twins were playing and it was 44 degrees and we were celebrating. And and you and I both know it's never going to change because no team wants to have a preponderance of, of home games in April, whether you're in San Diego or Los Angeles or Minnesota. And so all the commissioner's office does every year is cross their fingers and hope that they don't get horrible weather. And this year it's been terrible up in the, you know, in the Northeast, in the Midwest, so cold. The other day we had a, a game between the Nationals and, and the, uh, and the Mets in Washington. And the, I think the final temperature or the, the temperature at the final pitch was about 34 degrees. And before that game, I asked a number of players, how do you deal with it? And you, know, you heard different things from different guys. But the one that stuck with me, how about umpire Joe West, <laughs> he- uh, who was working first base that night? And I said, what do you do? He said, well, I, I've heard that it's really not good for your feet to sweat and, because it just gets cold in your shoes after they sweat. So I spray antiperspirant on my feet before I go out <laughs> on a really cold night. <laughs> I thought Joe was hanging it up. I thought we were honoring him last year, but he's back. Or did he announce he's quitting after this year? What I, I, I thought there was something going on last year that he was done. <laughs> no, he's back. Okay. And he was uh, his great sense of humor. In fact, he he actually was sick before that game on Sunday night. I'm I'm like, how you feeling? You under the weather? He goes, no, I'm fine. Hey, very, very decisive. A lot of people, he drives a lot of people crazy and some players crazy, but he's actually a good umpire, I've always felt. I, I like him for balls and strikes. Yep, and you know what? The players talk about how good he is in balls and strikes. Yeah, no doubt about it. Which is the toughest job in in baseball, balls and strikes. So, Otani, this is going to be something, isn't it? Uh, I mean, this is this hasn't happened since Babe Ruth. <laughs> you know, know. It's Babe Ruth. That was a long time ago. An early Babe Ruth, by the way. It was. And, you know, I saw a great tweet the other day that someone pointed out that uh, after his first 10 days in the big leagues, he had more home runs than Aaron Judge and more strikeouts than Max Scherzer. <laughs> so, you know, that's how well he started. And it was interesting because he struggled in spring training. But the folks who weren't worried at all were the people with the Angels. You know, guys like Mike Trotter I was talking with, and he was – just telling me, look, the guy's talent is off the charts. Uh, you see the power in batting practice, and you have to remind yourself he also throws 101 miles per hour. Uh, and they also had a sense of his personality and, and how regimented and prepared he is. I would encourage everybody. My colleague Tim Kuhn wrote an amazing piece on ESPN.com uh, in the magazine 
uh, about his background. And there's some great stories in there about how when Otani uh, was a teenager, how he wrote down a list of goals. And, you know, we, all of us as teenagers, we have, oh, we want to do well. We want to, you know, uh, have, make some money. He very specifically is like, by age 24, I want to have thrown a no-hitter. By age 26, I want to have done this. And then he writes also in that piece, as Tim reports, at age 38, uh, my, my skills will start to decline and I have to start to think about retirement. <laughs> at age 40, I want to throw a no-hitter in my final game. He wrote that down in a notebook when he was 16. That's who this kid is. Well, one thing that taught us that he was a very different kid is that he was willing to come over here at 23 and, and not, you know, not get the huge... The huge dollars he was willing to, uh, he just wanted to get over here. That was part of the respect that I picked up on from other players because they understand that. And if he had waited two years, he would have been a pure free agent. He probably could have gotten something in the range of $250 million <laughs> as a free agent if he had waited two years. But he loves baseball so much, loves the craft so much, he came over here for this year. And this is someone, as Tim reports in his piece, who it was in a program over in Japan where – the pitchers, they clean the toilets because uh, in the dorm that they stayed in because pitchers in Japan, they're at the top of the food chain, and so the coach there believed that, you know what, uh, because they're at the top of the food, food chain, they need to do the most menial labor <laughs> so he cleaned toilets when he was in high school in Japan. He really loves baseball. Yeah, he does. That split finger's unhittable, by the way, because they're sitting there waiting for 100, and then they get that thing. Oh, I, I, that... Watching that the other day was absolutely incredible. Uh, When you talk to scouts, that was actually like the third pitch that they would mention because they would talk about how hard he threw, and then they would talk about his great slider, and then he has this split-finger fastball that nobody can hit. He really is a remarkable athlete, a remarkable player, and I think you and I talked last fall about how he's going to be the most talked-about player in baseball this year. A lot of fun. All these years later, the Angels have Fernando Mania of their own. You're 100% right. And I know that because I grew up a huge Dodger fan. So in the spring of 1981, when Fernando Mania was in full bloom, I could not wait uh, you know, to hear about his games, follow his games as they're going along. And that's what's going on with the Angels. Like His starts now have become must-watch in baseball. Uh, it, it's a great thing, and you know, you hope that uh, the Major League Baseball, the Angels, let everybody in in because I know there there's certainly been some concern in spring training that um, that they were trying to almost nudge the media away from. Him. No, you, you got to let it happen, like Fernando Mania happened. Uh, and you know, the the Angels, just from a distant observation, have always been the poor cousins out there. Even when they won the World Series, they were the poor cousins out there. It's Dodgerville. It's the Dodgers own it, but. Uh, this is going to change the narrative a little bit. A hundred percent. And Otani, literally, I think the minute that the Angels heard that Otani was going to land with them, and it came from a phone call from Otani's agent to Billy Epler, the general manager of the Angels, and he tells the story. When he got that phone call, he literally fell on the ground. <laughs> uh, because he was so startled by getting the phone call, the timing of it, the decision, that he sort of began to try to sit down in a chair he thought was there and it wasn't so he falls on the ground and he immediately texts trout he immediately texts mike Sochi, texting other people 
and you definitely get the, the sense that it like breathes some extra life into that franchise. Right after that, they went out and traded for Ian Kinsler. They signed Zach Cozart to play third base. Uh, look, they're not as dynamic as a team overall because the pitching as the Astros are. But, Roycey, no doubt in my mind, this summer, if you want to watch an entertaining rivalry, it's going to be the Angels and the Astros because the Astros are the best team in baseball, no doubt about it. But the Angels are coming for what they have. And they play a particular style of ball with this great defense and with Otani, you know, once a week dominating hitters. And by the way, they also have the best player in baseball, which makes yeah, it interesting. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which also uh, makes it interesting. Uh, so, uh, have they paid Trout yet? Are they? Have they paid him? Is he? Is he locked up there? Or when? When? What's the deal there? He is signed through the 2020 season, okay. so we are kind of in the show-me time mm-hmm. uh, for the Angels and for Trout. And let me tell you, I, I've heard from so many people. I've, I've worked on a couple of stories on Trout. And Mike Trout is as respectful a person as you're going to meet. Uh, but he's also, he grew up in the Northeast, and he's base, in a baseball-crazy area. Um, you know, he certainly followed the Yankees. He didn't grow up far from the Phillies. And friends told me he wants to win. And the Angels are very aware of this, and they're, they've been trying to demonstrate to them, look, we're doing everything we can to try to make this team better. So this is a very important time in that relationship between Trout and the Angels. Because but, at some point, I'm assuming in the next year, they will seriously talk about an extension, or Trout's going to politely say, you know what, I might try to win elsewhere. Uh, Buster only is with us. So... Uh... The Giancarlo Stanton hits two home runs on opening day. Uh, the storyline is, this is unfair. This is going to be no fun. Those two guys are going to hit 125 home runs between them. The over and under on home runs in Vegas is 105. Uh, <laughs> on or 100, 100 and a half, I guess. 100 home runs and 100.5. And now Stanton's a bum. <laughs> That's what makes well, baseballs great. He struck. He's striking out a lot, so uh, he, he's a bum now in New York. Isn't that the way it goes? You know, <laughs> yes. I actually feel like that the more surprising result was when he hit the two home runs because we have seen examples over and over and over of how uh, prominent uh, veteran players have gone to New York and they have struggled. Whether it's uh, you know Reggie Jackson initially, whether it's Dave Winfield who got the nickname Mister May from uh, George Steinbrenner, uh, whether it's uh, Alex Rodriguez, it's a thing, and I think it's a thing right now for Stanton. I think he, you know he's a human being. He knows how much fans want him to do well. It's not like a young player being called up where no one's noticing. Stanton, every at bat that he's in there, he knows everyone is waiting for him to do something, and he's struggling with that now. There was a good sign last night. He had a couple of hits, and I know from talking with the Yankee people, they feel like once he relaxes, he'll be okay, and I think that's the case. I actually think the Yankees' bigger concern is the fact that this lockdown bullpen we all expect them to have yes. have some issues. Yeah, that is, and, uh, you know, the Red. meanwhile, the Red Sox are off to nine in a row, and, uh, uh, of course, uh, early season baseball. Uh, tw- this is a pretty good ball club up here. I kind of like them. The twins. I'm 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 not I'm not the eternal optimist as you know, but uh, that's not a bad team. They got it. They got the snow problem. They got to figure out what to do with uh, him to actually put the ball in play once in a while beyond hitting three home runs. Yeah, hundred percent. 
uh, and I, I don't know how you feel, but I certainly right now, as we talk about, you know, a struggling guy like Stan, another thing that we have to remember is, you know, what you brought up initially, oh, sure. the weather. And you wonder how these teams will be different. I mean, my goodness, after the Indians won last night, uh, which improved the record of 6-5, and five, they had a team batting average of 158. Now, I would suspect that some of that might be related to the yes. cold temperatures and maybe... You know, Francisco Lindor is, is having some issues with that. Maybe some of the <laughs> other guys have an issue with that. Maybe Sano is someone who doesn't necessarily like playing in warm weather. I agree with you. You and I talked at the end of spring training. I think the Twins had the best offseason of any team in baseball. I loved what they did. I do wonder, as we go through this year, if Cleveland's offense, is uh, or lack thereof, is going to pull them closer to the Twins and make for a heck of a race in the division. Buster, uh, Whitey's are here uh, Friday, Saturday, and uh, tomorrow, and they'll play tomorrow. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Uh, snow, cold. They could end up getting wiped out three straight games and then go to Puerto Rico. Uh, that, that's another thing. You're, you know, your pitchers aren't pitching. It's uh, The Twins have already had one postponement, but they're going to have at least a couple this weekend. It just messes up everything. It really does. I watched Luis Severino pitch for the Yankees. This is a guy I finished third yes. in last year's Cy Young Award voting in the American League uh, in throwing against the, the Red Sox on Tuesday night. He had no feel for the breaking ball, and that's what you hear from a lot of pitchers, uh, that this time of year they struggle like crazy to spin the ball, to, to throw any kind of off-speed pitches aggressively, and as you know, hitters hate hitting cold weather. Because if they get a ball on the inside, they can feel it in their hands for days. That's part of the official uniform now, the uh, the knit thing that goes around your mouth and your ears and the whole <laughs> thing. They all look like bank robbers. Uh, hey, Buster, thanks. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Thanks, Patrick. All right, sir. Goodbye. The great Buster Olney. Uh, and uh, next week, uh, TK and Kirkjian. Can't beat that either. Here's Johnny Hype with a sports update. This update is sponsored by Bubba Burger. Bubba Burger is America's favorite burger, the best tasting and the highest quality burger in your local grocer's freezer. Bubba says you'll never bite a burger better than a Bubba. I don't think so, Kenny. I think that's the correct one, Kenny. Big Minnesota sports night. It's a huge sports evening. Minnesota Wild opened up their playoff run in Canada. They play the Jets up in... (laughs) No, Kenny of Shell. Trust me. Got it right here. Huh. Well, oh, there's two versions of the Bubba, so I guess I'm, I think we're making Patrick P.O.'d right now, who's listening in his car on the way to the game. So why, why just... are they talking about a sponsor? <laughs> Go ahead. Jim. Minnesota Wild opened up their playoff run in Canada. They play the Jets up in Winnipeg. Game one in the best of seven series. Of course, the big one for the Timberwolves tonight. They're playing the Denver Nuggets at the Target Center. Jesus. The winner of that game moves on to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. The loser is done for the season. The Wolves did practice. You stop saying winner's going to go home because I made fun of you yesterday, aren't you? I did, yes. You you corrected me. Why do you have such a complex? Come on. The Wolves practiced yesterday and shot around this morning. Uh, Coach Tom Thibodeau said Taj Gibson, the Wolves glue guy, whom teammate Jamal Crawford calls its rock, did take part in the shoot-around after he played eight minutes Monday because of a a sore neck. Uh, Thibodeau said he went through the whole practice. I think he'll be good. We'll see before the game. Let him warm up. Twins with a 9-8 win over Houston today at Target Field. Max Kepler's second home run of the game in the bottom of the ninth, winning it. Twins had scored eight in the fourth inning, led at that point 8-1 before Houston came back to tie it. White Sox now coming into town for a four-game series that kicks off tomorrow evening. I bet they get, what, two? Two, two of the in, four in? Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Twin starter Irvin Santana is headed back to Fort Myers, Florida. He'll begin his throwing program in earnest after getting the thumbs up from a couple of doctors, including hand specialist Dr. Thomas Vareca. Santana started a throwing program this afternoon, according to manager Paul Molitor. It's been more than two months since Santana had the operation. Capsular release debridement surgery on the middle finger of his pitching hand. And uh, it looks like he'll be back pitching for the Twins early in May. Other ball games today in the major leagues. Colorado defeated San Diego six to four. That one included a uh, a brawl after a pitch was thrown behind Roland Arenado. He charged the mound went after Luis Perdomo. Uh, never got up to him. A lot of shoving around and pushing. Uh, no no blows landed. Kenny, just so you know, babies. That's you know what we did learn works. though. John and I were investigating the uh, the brawl and we discovered that uh, Mike Redmond, former Twin and former Marlins manager, correct? Uh, yep. He is the one that broke up the. The Maguire and Arenado second altercation. What did he use to break it up? <laughs> boom, boom, boom. He's the guy that used to run around naked. I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. With his baseball bat. Here we go. <laughs> With his baseball bat. Uh, Atlanta, Atlanta beat Washington 5-3 to three in that ballgame. Former twin catcher Kurt Suzuki hit two home runs for the Braves. Milwaukee with a 3-2 to win over the Cardinals. Seattle beat the Royals 4-2. to White Sox beat Tampa Bay 2-1. to Two games going on right now. A lot Ari- of day games, Johnny. Yep. Uh, getaway day. You know. Arizona beat the Giants 7-3. to And Detroit and Cleveland are in the first inning. State High School League will allow schools to shorten certain games in an effort to fit in baseball and softball seasons following recent winter-like weather that's led to a lot of postponements. You're going to have to explain this to me because I don't get the rationale here. Minnesota State High School League, you will in a minute. Uh, Today issued a notice to member schools that lays out how they can shorten the length of baseball and softball games as part of a condensed season spurred by the weather. Here's how it works, Chris. Single games, you'll still have to continue to play at least seven innings or until a regulation game is completed per National Federation of State High School Association rules. But... Wait a minute. I thought the high schools already played seven innings. Yeah, and that will have to remain that way. Okay. I'm sorry. But what will happen, schools playing one another will be able to agree to two five-inning games as Ah, a doubleheader, so they'll be able to throw uh, two games up instead of one. Uh, they can also play one seven-inning game and one five-inning game. So they can play a doubleheader, get more games in. All of that, according to a letter from MSHSL Executive Director Eric Martin, sent to the activities or athletic directors of member schools today. I feel awful for the seniors. You know what I mean? You've worked oh, all yeah. year, and then your season is completely screwed. I feel terrible for those yeah. kids. Yeah. You too, Kenny? Yeah. Okay. Bad weather. <laughs> Wow. Bad weather is putting a damper on plans for some college football program spring games this weekend. Uh, not the Gophers, though. The Gophers will play their annual game tomorrow night under the lights. Head coach P.J. Fleck said skipping the game was not an option because he wants to give young players a chance to play in a game-like situation and to give fans an opportunity to see the team. That's not our culture. That's unacceptable 100%. Thanks, Coach. Michigan joined a group of schools, though, opting to cancel their annual spring scrimmage because of the impending thunderstorms through the Midwest. Uh, Due to a limited number of spring practices remaining for his team, Michigan's coach announcing it would not reschedule Saturday's situational scrimmage, which was going to be open to the public. To grow, you must fail. And teams around the NFL no longer believe the New York Giants are going to be trading wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. before or during the upcoming draft. That, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter, that represents a changing in the thinking of teams that thought there was a real chance the Giants would end up trading them. Uh, that included the Los Angeles Rams, who tried to get him earlier from the Giants, but couldn't complete a deal.
quitting early, huh, Joe? That's all I got. Okay, okay let good. me get this sponsor in. we got to do the right one, otherwise Kenny doesn't get paid. Bubba Burgers, America's favorite burger. Watch the Bubba Burger Sports Car Grand Prix. It's televi- uh, televised live on the Fox Network, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday, April 4th. Find Bubba Burger in your local grocer's freezer. Cha-ching. Hello? Sarah McClellan uh, covers the uh, Minnesota Wild for the Star Tribune in Winnipeg. Uh, it seems as uh, Coach Boudreaux and the fellas are uh, embracing the uh, we're the underdogs and nobody gives us much of a shot angle like teams like to do, huh? Yeah, you know what? I think that's probably the approach to take. And, you know, that's the reality. I think the perception of this series is, and the numbers I think back that up too for Winnipeg to be the favorite. Um, you know, to have the success that they've had this season, um, you know, the amount of goals they scored, the amount of wins they've racked up, um, they definitely earned home ice advantage in this series. Um, and they've had a pretty dominant year, so I, I don't think it's any surprise to anyone. So I think that just kind of leaves the Wild in the position to embrace it and, you know, deal with life without as much pressure because it didn't really work for them last year. They had, you know, the spotlight on them and, they were the favored team in that series against the Blues, and they ended up losing in five. So we'll see. Maybe the underdog role is the one that flatters them more. Now, you're up in Winnipeg, and I'm sure that uh, wonderful little Berg is going nuts for the Jets right now in the start of the playoffs. And, of course, you spent six years covering the Coyotes in Phoenix, and they obtained their franchise when Winnipeg transferred down to Phoenix uh, you're in a little bit more of a hockey town, do you feel like, with Winnipeg? It's been, you know, crazy, I think, around <laughs> here with the excitement. You know, you could see the jerseys people are wearing out and about this morning. It sounds like there's um, kind of parties around the arena that are going to get going here. Um, I expect an unbelievable atmosphere tonight. And, um, you know, on the flip side, that's probably what the Wild wants to try to limit, you know, is that excitement and that, you know, the energy and the loudness from the fans. Um, you know, maybe kind of get them quiet with an early goal. But, yeah, you can definitely feel the excitement here in Winnipeg. And this is a team that, you know, hasn't been in the playoffs for a few years. Um, and as a franchise, hasn't won a playoff game yet, actually. Um, you know, so I, I think there's some urgency. I think there's high expectations. Um, but overall, I do think there's excitement just on the heels of the season that this team's had um, for this series to get going against the Wild. Yes, uh, uh, the one thing they do, which can be dangerous at playoff time because the games are so tight, is they will put you on the power play, uh, the Jets. Uh, all of the stats tell us that. Yeah, I think special teams are probably going to be a big storyline in the series, as they tend to be you know, in the postseason. Um, it gets tighter out there. There's not as much space and time to maneuver, and so... An opportunity, you know, to score a goal or flip the momentum on a power play. Those can be really timely moments in games and series. And Winnipeg's is dynamic, so it's really going to be key for the Wild to stay disciplined and stay out of the box. But if it does get a chance, you know, to try to capitalize because, um, you know, those opportunities, you know, could be slim, could be um, hard to come by in this series. So I think the special teams battle will definitely be one to watch. What's encouraging for the Wild is that penalty kills have been playing really well lately. I think it's gone 27 out of its last 28 kills. So 
Um, you know, the hope probably is that they don't need to use it that much, but it should feel good, you know, about its play of weight if it does have to um, try to stifle the, the Jets on the power play. Uh, so uh, the uh, the the liney, uh, the uh, phenomenal young uh, player of the Jets in the forty goal range. Uh, I'd let the the uh, Wild obviously would like to get Koivu out there taking on his fellow Finlander, but uh, up there that's going to be hard to do. Yeah, you know that's the one thing to watch is you know right now the Jets are pretty much in control of the matchup game. They have last change with home ice, um, so we'll see you know if Jet coach Paul Maurice is able to stick with the matches that he wants, or you know Bruce Boudreaux on the flip side has to do some juggling. Um, it'll be interesting to watch, but you know, I, I think what tends to happen in series like this is, you know, your top two lines really have the ability to kind of neutralize each other, and that does open the door then for the third and fourth lines to, you know, make a difference and have an opportunity to change the game. And I think what should be encouraging for the Wild is those two lines have played well down the stretch, and I think they've developed some chemistry and gotten kind of into a little bit of a groove. Um, so that should be good prep for, you know, the potential opportunity those two lines could have um, in this series to try to make a difference. What did you see in the morning skate? Uh, the uh, lineup uh, as expected? Any? Uh, what is the uh, third and fourth line looking like? Yeah, not everyone got on the ice this morning, which is typical of, you know, not only the playoffs but every time of year. But um, a line that should be familiar um, for the Wild, uh, Jordan Greenway is going to play on the third line over Tyler Ennis. So they kind of went with the size and strength element over the experience that Tyler Ennis would offer. Um, and that fourth line does stay the same. It's Marcus Foligno, Joel Erickson-Eck, and Daniel Winnick. And um, I think that's a confident trio. I think they feel they've figured out how they have to play to have an impact, um, but also realize that your bench can get shorter. So they kind of need to stay engaged and be ready to go whenever that is, whether they've been sitting for five minutes or they're in a regular rhythm. So... I think watching those two lines, see how they perform tonight, could be telling about what to expect the rest of the series. So uh, their goalie had a phenomenal year, uh, untested in the playoffs, though. That has to give the uh, home teams, uh, the visiting team, some hope. Yeah, this will be uh, the first time that Connor Hallbuck's been on this stage, and obviously, I, you know, I, I think the performance that he had this season should probably give him a lot of confidence. Um, you know, to be one of the best goalies in the NHL this year, 44 wins. Um, it, it's really impressive, and, I, you know, I, I can't see how that just changes just because the importance of the game does. But we'll see. This is a new level, a new, you know, kind of backdrop for him. Um, whereas Devin Dudnick obviously has the upper hand in experience. He's been here before. Um, he's won playoff games before. Um, but, you know, can this team do it this year? We'll see. You know, as much as the labels are set and it's underdog and favorite, um, you know, I think we'll probably get a good preview of, you know, what to expect from this matchup, probably in game one. I think tonight could really set the stage for, um, you know, whether this uh, series goes the distance, could be shorter, favors one side or the other, really, in terms of the technical battle on the ice. I, I think this game holds a lot. Um, of clues of what to expect moving forward. Coyle, uh, I saw your piece today. Uh, Coyle is uh, back on the power play. At least they were practicing that way, uh, trying to find somebody to uh, take a little of the duties that Suter had. Yeah, that's opened up more responsibility, not just for the defense, but Suter was obviously very active uh, on the point on the power play, kind of a distributor. 
Um, so that often opens up a role for somebody else, and it looks like Cora will get that chance to stand the point there. And it does come with the defensive responsibility as well, because if that puck gets by you, you know, you do have to go into chase mode and try to defend. So we'll see how he handles that responsibility, but I think that's probably the best option that the team has without Suter out there. Uh, he's a mysterious character, uh, Coyle. He's, uh, you know, they, every uh, year starts uh, that this is going to be the breakout year. And uh, he's, uh, you know, he has his moments. And certainly he has those two, three-week periods where he looks like he's going to be the star they wanted him to be or thought he might be. And then and then he does, and then you don't see him for a couple of weeks. He's an interesting player. Well, he could be a big factor in this series because he has the tool set and the skill set, I think, that really could excel against this Jets lineup. He's big, he can skate, and he can score. And if that comes to the forefront, I think that's the way to combat this Jets lineup is you're going to need to be hard on the puck. You're going to need to be a presence in the corner and not get pushed off of the puck. And you have to be able to go to the front of the net and pay the price to score goals. So if he does that, uh, you know, I think that just makes the Wild even more of a dynamic offense and just have a better chance to compete against this tough Jets team. Hey, Blake Wheeler has become quite the hero up there. Uh, gopher kid, uh, local star here. It's, some of his Gopher career wasn't quite what the people expected, but uh, he's become he's one of those guys that was a be- become a better pro than he was a collegian, and he is uh, quite the uh, Quite the, uh, as I said, local hero up in Winnipeg now. Yeah, he's had a tremendous year. And, you know, he's probably in the Hart Trophy conversation as, as MVP just for what he's meant to this Jets team. Um, you know, like the Wild, they've suffered injuries this year, too, and they've had to weather stretches where their lineup hasn't been at its, at its best. And he's kind of been the constant. And you look at the points he's put up, the minutes he's played, I think he's really an integral part of that lineup. And, he is one of the players who does have playoff experience, too, so um, his role could only increase as their season progresses. Well, if the game gets over at a decent time tonight and you decide to go have a beer at a bar, uh, don't be there with the Bufflin uncles. They're famous. Bufflin's uncles from uh, from the War Road area, uh, War Road Rosso area, area are rather famous. Uh, the legend of those guys is if they can't find a fight in the bar, they fight with themselves. So uh, it's uh, he's got quite the upbringing. Uh, great, great characters in that family. Yeah, he's another big part of this lineup, too, and just embodies that size and skill that, you know, you expect from a forward, but he plays it on the defensive end. He'll be someone to watch for sure in this series. All right, Sarah. Uh, no overtime. Play three periods. <laughs> Sounds good. We'll talk to you later. All righty. Thank you. Now, on the ride with Royce, let's hear the boys' daily complaints. All right, Manny, give me your Timberwolves' daily complaint. Oh, you nailed it, didn't you? <laughs> My daily complaint is the fact that they have to win this game to get in the playoffs. Because if they would have not given away so many clunkers earlier in the year, including the Memphis game a couple of weeks back, they wouldn't, uh, you know, this would be for seeding instead of actually trying to get into the playoffs. So you're they deserve to be where Reavers. they're at. You're coming around to Team yeah. Reavers. They deserve to be where they're at. But you they want them to be. lose like I do so they get two first-round picks. No, I wouldn't go that Let's far. Let's go, Nuggets! Uh, <laughs> if you missed any portion of the ride today, check out the podcast that you can find online at 1500ESPN.com. The ride will be back again tomorrow. The Great Outdoors Show with Dennis Anderson is up next. Just to have-